Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Today is Thursday, July 23rd, 2020. On this day in 1969, 18-year-old Karen Bynaman disappeared in Ypsilanti, Michigan. She was last seen getting onto a stranger's motorcycle outside a wig shop. She had no idea she was hitching a ride with a serial killer. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the disappearance of Karen Bynaman. Let's go back to Ypsilanti, Michigan on July 23, 1969, around 1 p.m. Karen's day was off to a late start. Summer was in full swing, and it was a long walk from the Eastern Michigan University campus to downtown Ypsilanti. But there was no putting off her errands, which included a stop at the local wig shop. As the college freshman left her dorm room, she may have walked past a handsome stranger showing off his motorcycle to a few girls. We don't know why, but Karen stopped to talk to him. She accepted a ride from him to go downtown. Maybe she was drawn to his blue Triumph brand bike. Maybe she just didn't want to walk. But whatever her reason was, she quickly suspected it may have been a bad idea. As Karen perused the wig shop, the store clerk overheard her say that she had made two foolish choices in her life, buying a wig and getting on the back of a stranger's motorcycle. But apparently, it was a mistake she was willing to repeat. When she left the store, Karen got back onto the stranger's motorcycle and they rode away. That night, Karen's roommate got worried when she didn't make it back to their dorm before curfew. She called the police, who went on high alert. Normally, it might not be a huge deal if a young woman didn't make it back to her dorm before curfew, but in the past two years, five young women in southeast Michigan had gone missing, and all of them turned up dead. The police hoped they could find Karen before she became the sixth. Thanks to the wig shop clerk's observations, the authorities knew to be on the lookout for a brown-haired young man and a blue Triumph motorcycle. By the next morning, every law enforcement agency in the county was on the hunt. The description of the young man and the motorcycle caught the attention of a rookie Eastern Michigan University security officer named Larry Mathewson. He knew exactly who everyone was looking for. The day before, Officer Mathewson, who was still a senior at EMU, saw the young man sitting astride his motorcycle talking to a group of young women. Presumably, one of them was Karen Bynaman. Mathewson didn't know the suspect's name, but he had seen him around campus before. He belonged to a rival fraternity. The two of them frequently squared off in intramural sports. 
Matthewson asked around and found out the suspect's name was John Collins. To confirm his suspicions, Matthewson tracked down one of the girls he saw gathered around the motorcycle the day before. She confirmed that she had been talking to Collins and gave Matthewson a picture of him. Matthewson added the picture to a group of other photos. He brought them to the wig store to see if the clerk could positively identify Collins from the makeshift lineup. They couldn't. But an employee at the chocolate shop next door could. With Collins' identity confirmed, Matthewson shared the information with the state police, county sheriff, and the several other agencies involved in the search for Karen. Tragically, it was too late. On July 26th, a married couple found her dead body in a ravine next to their house. Her killer had tortured and sexually assaulted her then strangled her before dumping the body in the ravine. The details of her assault fit the same pattern as the other women who were kidnapped and murdered over the past two years, and all signs indicated that John Collins was the culprit. Coming up, the police rush to find Collins before he claims another victim. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Ulta, Ray-Ban, and Canon. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals during Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th. The cashback rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for Adidas and Fenty. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of Big Give Week's 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Now, back to the story. On July 23, 1969, 18-year-old Karen Bynaman disappeared. Her dead body was discovered about three days later in a ravine outside of Ypsilanti, Michigan. Authorities believed she was the sixth victim of a local serial killer. And they suspected that a college student named John Collins was the culprit. The first victim, Mary Flesher, was kidnapped just a block from where Collins lived. Witnesses saw her get cut off by a car whose description matched an automobile belonging to Collins' mother. Collins also lived across from the second victim, Joan Shell, and he had friends who lived near the third and youngest victim, 13-year-old Dawn Basom. Their home looked directly into hers. The fourth victim, Alice Callum, got onto a motorcycle after attending a party. She turned up dead a short while later. Investigators were confident that Collins was their man. They just needed a way to connect him to Karen Bynaman's murder. Shortly after Karen's body was found, Collins' uncle, Corporal David Lake of the Michigan State Police, came home from a vacation. 
While Lake was gone, he let Collins stay at his house. He had no idea his nephew was wanted for Karen Bynaman's murder, but upon his return, Lake realized that something was very wrong. Before Lake and his family went on vacation, his wife gave their sons haircuts in their basement. For whatever reason, she didn't clean up the mess before they left. But now, there was something else amongst the piles of hair. Blood. Small blonde hairs had been found in Karen Bynaman's underwear. When tested, they matched those in Lake's basement. The police had the connection they needed. On July 31, 1969, John Collins was arrested. Following the arrest, Collins' car was impounded. It contained evidence linking him to another murder, which he committed while on a road trip in Salinas, California. But for the moment, he was only indicted for Karen Bynaman's murder. However, Collins maintained his innocence. He was even willing to take a polygraph test to prove it. Collins met with his lawyer for 45 minutes before the test was scheduled. But after their meeting, the attorney abruptly canceled it. He didn't offer a reason why, but the county sheriff suspected it was because Collins confessed to killing Karen Bynaman. Ultimately, Collins probably knew his case was hopeless in face of the evidence. Just a little over a year after he was arrested, he was sentenced to life in prison in August of 1970. But John Collins' story didn't end there. In 1979, he and six other inmates attempted to escape from prison. They dug a 19-foot-long, two-foot-wide tunnel under the building. They were still 25 feet from freedom when a guard discovered them. After that, Collins remained quiet. As of this recording, he remains in prison. And the only way he'll get out is in a casket. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For a more in-depth look at John Collins, check out the episodes of ParCast original Serial Killers that detail his twisted exploits. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Alex Benedon, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 